It's so good to be with you. Um, we're starting a new series today. It's like a two-week series, so a couplet, I don't know what we call it, but um, where I wanted to think about what, what Christianity is in its simplest form. What is our, our most basic requirements? And when I think about simplicity, what I don't think about is uh, Ikea. How many of you put, have put together Ikea furniture? If you haven't, just take a hammer and slam it in your, in your uh, hand, and it's basically the same thing. It's, it's pretty painful. Um, all joking aside, Ikea has the benefits of being relatively inexpensive, inexpensive furniture made of paper. I'm not even joking. I mean, they, you can buy stuff that's made of wood, but some of it's literally, it's paper, and then it's like other jargon that just means more paper that we put together. Anyways, it's, it's interesting furniture because it, it takes a, kind of a wizard with a PhD to put it together right the first time. Uh, you might be able to get it, you know, after some learning and some practice and some diligent discipleship, but it is, it's difficult to be put together. It is, it's complex with the instructions. Now, if you lose the instructions, just set it on fire and move on. It's, you're done. You know, you didn't need that furniture anyways. Um, and, and I was thinking about life, and sometimes life can feel a bit complex. You know, you, you've got your own personal inner life, and, and you're trying to figure it out. You know, high schoolers, college people, you're at the, the cusp of this next season of life, and you're asking yourself, what do I do with my life? Or maybe you're not, and you're trying to figure out why do people keep asking me, what do I do with my life? I'm going to go and play video games and work my part-time job. Or maybe you're... You're in your job, you're in your life, and you're looking around and, and, and saying, what is my purpose? Why am I doing this thing? Am I, am I called to be an accountant? Should I be working for this uh, shadowy government agency? Should I be um, doing this nonprofit activity? What, what is my purpose in life? Should I have kids? Should I get married? You should get married before you have kids, but if you're married, should I have kids? Um, should I get married? When should I do these things? Will I be able to do these things? Where are the, the, where's my wife? Please help me find her. Um, and, and life can be complex. And sometimes when we think about all these things, we can get overwhelmed. And, and the good thing about God is that he understands us. He understands that we are, we, he condescends to us. You know, you and I, we're smart people, but when it compares to God, you know, he's, he's a little bit smarter. He's, he's got a little bit more breadth of knowledge, depth of knowledge, wisdom, foresight, and, and he understands that these are things that we grapple with. He understands that, that you find yourself sometimes in a position where you don't know what to do with your life. You don't know how your kind of abstract purpose of, you know, I want to honor God with my life. What does that mean? What does that mean for someone who works in an office cubicle? What does that look like? So I want to look at a text where Jesus begins to unpack this idea that, that Christianity, that following God, is, it's actually pretty simple. It's not necessarily easy, but it's simple. So open your Bibles to Matthew 22. We're going to be reading verses 34 through 40. I'd like for you to stand with me as we read together. The Word of God. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, 
they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in this law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. God, I pray that you would sweep away all the clutter, all of the confusion, all of the complexities of life in this moment so that we would be able to see that the call that you've given us is a call to love, a call to love you and a call to love you in such a way that we overflow in love towards the other image bearers of Christ in our life the other image bearers of God in our life. Father, help us to love well. Help us to reflect on your love, your initiating, covenantal, gracious love that calls us to do the same. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Jesus is in this constant sparring match with these, these Jewish groups that are trying to catch him in a lie, catch him in a false teaching, catch him saying something he, he wishes he wouldn't say. But Jesus is smart, he's wise, he's also the son of God. He's got a few things going for him that allow him to, to spar with these guys. And if you go back and just begin to read earlier in chapter 22, we see that in verse 15, the Pharisees were plotting to entangle him with words. They're, they're trying to ask him some questions, some pointed questions that are going to, they're hoping will, will get, in, get him into, into some trouble. And so in verse 15, they begin to have this conversation about taxes. You know, should we give our taxes to, to Caesar or do we give our money to God? And they create what, what's called a false dichotomy. You know, it's either or this or this, when in reality, there's a third option. And so Jesus, he kind of, he Jesus jukes them and he says, um, you know, give to, to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And he doesn't just answer the question, but he, he challenges them in his answer. You know, he, he looks at the coin and he says, okay, who's, got, who's the image on this coin? And, okay, it's Caesar. So give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God. Well, who's got the image of God on them? And he pokes at them and says, you guys bear the image of God. You need to devote your life to God. Give yourself to God. So, I mean, pretty impressive. Then the Sadducees come up, and it's a different group. They don't believe in resurrection. They don't believe in a physical resurrection. So they begin this conversation where they, they assume the resurrection, and they try to trip Jesus up, and, and Jesus also trips them up. And he, he goes on and says, you're wrong, because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God, which is basically a punch in the face. Which is, so he, he dismantles them, and then we see the Pharisees pick themselves back up, dust themselves back off, and they initiate this conversation. They want to see if they can challenge God. So they ask this question. Look at me with, look at verse uh, 36. This lawyer asking, now we, we, we would like to think that they're asking because they want to learn at this point. You know, Jesus, you've, you've beat us at every point. We just want to follow you now. No, but, but it says in verse 35, they asked him a question, what? In order to test him. And he says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, this was a thing that these guys would do. They'd sit around and they'd, they'd read what was the Bible at the time, the Old Testament, and 
they consider all of the commands and try to prioritize them. Now, there's a, over 600, I think it's 613 commands in the Old Testament. Pretty good number of them. And so they would say, well, you know, this one's not as important. You know, we don't really care about, I mean, it's not that we don't care, but, but this one is, is less important than this one. Do not murder, pretty important. Um, don't boil the baby lamb in the mother's milk. Okay, we're not really sure how that applies, but we'll keep that in mind. But do not murder is, is pretty important. And they begin to build a hierarchy. This is, what, this is what the rabbis, the teachers would do. And so they're asking Jesus to take a fairly complex belief system and, and, and summarize it. And, and if you've ever read a book and had one of your friends who's more well-read than you come and say, oh, yeah, you read that book, and you're kind of like, yeah, I, I read it. You know? I mean, it's, it's on my shelf. <laughs> And they're like, oh, what's it about? And you're like, oh, uh, God. <laughs> or, you know, it's, it's about this guy. And, and you begin to try to explain the, the book, but in doing so, you almost have to rewrite the book. Because it's, it's a difficult thing to take a complex, complicated thing and then and bring it down to its most basic foundational element. And that's exactly what they've asked him to do. And so they, they you, know, you can imagine this guy, this, this lawyer kind of sitting back and let's see how he handles this. You know, I wonder, I wonder which of the Ten Commandments he, he says is the most important. I mean, clearly anything that Jesus says, he's going to be able to twist around and say, oh, you don't think this is more important? Ha ha. And, and it's interesting and instructive to see what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, uh, you know, let's look at the Ten Commandments, guys. I mean, they're, 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 numbered, one through ten. They're not really numbered, but, um, but they're numbered. Let's take number one. You know, don't worship other, other gods. And, and that's the most important. He doesn't say that. Um, he, he doesn't address idol worship. He doesn't address lying, murdering, uh, adultery. He doesn't mention any of those things. And, and what's especially interesting is he doesn't focus on a particular behavior, first and foremost, Sometimes when we think about how, how do I follow God? How do I do this thing? We immediately jump to the behaviors. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing great today. I'm, I, I didn't read my Bible. You know, I, I, I read my devotion, but I only read half of it, and I was watching TV while I did it, and it was really great. great. And I didn't pray. And, uh, you know, I'm at, I'm at church. I've, I've gone to church. I've arrived, and I'm here at church, so I feel pretty good. But, um, but we, we relate to God in terms of a to-do list, a task list. But what does Jesus say? You shall love the Lord your God. You shall love the Lord your God. He begins with something that's a command to do more than do something. It's to have a disposition towards something. You know, for my wife and I, we, we've been married 13 years. Our anniversary is tomorrow. I remember that. Woo! Call her up and say, you're a saint. Because she is. Um... My, my son's not well. That's why she's not here. Sorry. One of my sons. Anyways, moving on. Not about me. Uh, we love one another, and, and my love for her is more than just some sort of mechanical set of task lists, you know? And maybe you're this kind of guy, and, and it's funny, I was reflecting with my wife that, that sometimes we have the one disposition where we, we do the things, but we struggle with the romance, or, or maybe we, we do the romance, you know, the flowers and the words and I love you, but we struggle with uh, paying the bills and the doing the things thing. And love encompasses both of those. 
right? Men, love is more than just paying the bills, but it's certainly not less. Um, love, is, it's more than just um, doing things, cleaning the house, fixing the cars, or whatever it is. It, it's, it's also expressing a heartfelt liking, love, compassion, camaraderie, affection, attraction towards this person. And so when Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God, he's saying, this is not about just doing things, guys. We got 613 commandments, but let's not start with the to-do list. Let's start with the disposition of your heart. So when we think about Christianity, when you think about what does it look like for me to have a relationship with God? What does it look like for me to live a life of purpose? What does it look like for me to, to take part in this, this grand narrative where God is inviting us into something? Is it just going to church, reading my Bible, being a moral person? No. And the scary thing is, is you can live your life doing many of those things and not have a relationship with God. He starts and he's, he says, you shall love the Lord. It's a feeling, it's more than a feeling. First John, in First John uh, 4.10, uh, John, the apostle, says it in a way that kind of encompasses both, both aspects. And, and John is an interesting guy because he, he kind of hits on the, the truth and the grace, the love and the, the action of God. I mean, he's, he's that touchy-feely, artsy disciple. Peter's kind of like, you know, let's, some, let's chop some ears off and let's do some things. Um, but, but John kind of, he has more of a nuanced approach to, to, to Jesus. And he says in verse 10 of chapter 4 of First John, in this is love. He's defining love for us. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and to sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So when God sees us, when God sees you, he, he has this affection that rises up. But it doesn't just stay there. It's an affection that rises up and leads to action. And, and this, this is the kind of love that we're to love God with. We're to see, God, what have you done for me today? And, and that brings up an affection that leads to action. He, he's referring back to Deuteronomy where... Um, Jesus is referring back to Deuteronomy where it says, the Lord, the Lord, um, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and strength. That's, that's what Jesus is quoting right here. And, and what's interesting is that, and I've said this many times, and this is a passage that would be worth memorizing, Deuteronomy 6, 5. Uh, this is the passage where, where Moses is like, I need to know who you are and I want to see your glory. And, and God says, you know what? This is what's going to satisfy you. This is what you're going to get. It's going to help you. And so he says, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. You're not going to see my glory, but you're going to see my goodness, and I'm going to declare my name. And he, he says, this is who I am. He says, I'm the Lord, the Lord. And he says, gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. This, this word Lord, Yahweh, is the same word that, that Jesus is referring to here. So when, when Jesus says, you need to love the Lord your God, he's not just saying you just love this inanimate or impersonal being in, in, in space or outside of space, this transcendent uh, person that you can't touch, taste, see, or experience. No, he's saying that, that the affection that you should have, 
that should lead to action comes from the fact that you're loving who? The Lord. He's the covenant Lord. He's the God who from Genesis to Revelation has continued to show his love for you. Sometimes when you and I approach God, we approach him the way we approach our own fathers and the way that we approach our own fathers is in a kind of reticent way. We're, we're, I'm not sure. Is, is he angry today? When what God has done, if we can imagine it, is um, imagine one of your children or a child and every day the dad comes home with a new toy. Every day. There's tons of beanie bears and uh, stuffies as they call them now, for better or worse. Um, remote control cars, the nicest clothes, and he's constantly thinking of ways of expressing his love, and every day he's coming. That's, that's the kind of God that we have, and, and the Bible is not just a record of like, this is what you need to do, but it's a record of the things that God has done to express his goodness. When, when Jesus, well, I'm sorry, when, when God gave the, the Ten Commandments, he didn't just say, here are the ten things you need to obey. No, he says, I am the God who what? Brought you out of Egypt. This is my gift to you. Right, this is my beanie bear. Deliverance. <laughs> Therefore, because of that, do this. So Jesus says, love, have an have a affection that results in action. Who? The Lord your God. The God who has continued to express his love. And if you ever wonder what God has done for you, just read through the Psalms. I was reading, just today, I was reading Psalm 40. And, uh, in verse 11, it says, it says this. As for you, O Lord, you will not, O Lord, again, that covenant name, you will not restrain your mercy from me. God doesn't restrain his mercy from you. Again, we talk about fatherhood. He's not sitting there and saying, when you shape up and figure it out, then maybe I'll be merciful. No, but he's, he's turning on the faucet. It's all the way to 100. It's It's flowing. He's merciful. He forgives our sins. He gives us breath and life. He satisfies us with good. I had biscuits and sausage and gravy. Or not gravy, although that would have been nice. Um, grits. Yes, I'll, whoever, yes, amen. I see you there, Reggie. Grits, and we also had apples because we don't want to die. <laughs> But this, this is goodness, and, and we take it for granted, and we joke, but it's okay to be thankful that you have a taste buds, and, and God has given you pork, and he said that it was clean, we're allowed, maybe it's not the best, whatever, it's still good. But, but all joking aside, sometimes we, we, we make this stuff over here holy, and we're thankful for this stuff, and this stuff we enjoy, and we're like, well, I mean, it's good, but God doesn't care about it, yes or no. No, he cares. That's why he gave us these things. He wants to give us good things. Now, we don't want to act crazy and be dumb and eat bacon all the time. Maybe we do, but we shouldn't. Um, but, but he's given us good. That, understand and don't minimize the fact that God has expressed his love for you in the natural world. Like, we could have lived in a very gray landscape with nothing going on, and we could have been very robotic. But God, because he's more than just good, because he's more than just perfect, but because he's beautiful, he, he overflows with beauty. Why do you think art exists in the world? 
Why does music exist? Why does God call us to worship, not just say, God, you are glorious, we worship you, but we sing songs with a multitude of instruments because God is awesome and, and he invites us into that, that and he blesses us with that. This is the God that we love, the God that, that's given us sports, the God that has given us music, the God that has given us language, the God that's given us the ability to imagine stuff. What has God done for you today? Ultimately, God has given us his son, Jesus Christ. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son as an expression of love. So he says, this is the God whom we must love. Jesus continues and he says, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, if you're keeping track, you, you might have heard me say in Deuteronomy, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, my, or soul, and strength. And you might be like, well, Jesus, are you allowed to change the Bible? Yes, he is. I'm not, but he is. And to be fair, in Mark where it's a different, um, a different perspective given by Mark. Mark includes, and he says, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Or heart, soul, mind, and strength. So Mark has all four. Deuteronomy has three. Matthew has a different three. Don't let that freak you out. The point is, the point is that God wants us to love him with everything. We can't compartmentalize our love for God. The moment, the moment that you compartmentalize your love for God is the, the moment you stop loving him the way he deserved to be loved. Right? He, he's, not, he's not one of your acquaintances. And he's a nice guy, you know, really like hanging out with him on Sundays. But on Monday, I, you know, God, I, I got to go to work. I'll see, you, I'll see you Wednesday night. Or I'll see you Friday night. No, we, we, we're to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, all of our abilities, all of our provision, all of our, all of our mind. I mean, if you're anything like me, how much of your mind is filled with just the office or other stuff, entertainment, things that aren't bad within and of themselves, but, but it certainly isn't God. This is the this is radical love. This is why I said that, that this Christianity, this following Christ, it's, it's, uh, it's not complex, it's simple, but it's also not easy. We're to love God with everything. Paul says it differently in 1 Corinthians. He says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Love God with everything. When you go to work, love God with the ability to do the things you do. If you're athletic, love God with the fact that he's blessed you with a, with a body that can do amazing things. If, if you've got mental prowess, bless God with the fact that you can do mental gymnastics. You can do accounting. You can do um, data science. Just throw that one out there because we've got a few data science guys. Their, their brains are bigger than mine. And more wrinkly. Um because that's a sign of intelligence is the wrinkles. Anyways. <laughs> in your relationships, give, great, give thanks to God because of the grace that, that you get to live in community. Again, th- this, 
husbands and wives and children and, and church and, and work relationships, they're all a reflection of the fact that God is not one person. God is one God in three persons. And, and that the fact that there is community here is a reflection of the person and, and the nature of God as a triune God. So when you look at your wife, when you look at your children, when you look at your friend, they are glimmers of the nature of God. When you think about language, if, you're, if you speak two languages, the fact that we have different languages is an expression of the fact that God is a God who speaks. He's a God who says things. He communicates because he exists in triune relationship. We're to love God with everything. You know, talking about Ikea, because why not? I was building these, these cabinets with, they were like, I guess, big drawer. I don't know. You put clothes in them. I don't know what they're called. Whatever. And... And uh, so I'm, I'm putting this stuff together with one of my friends, and uh, we're doing pretty good. <laughs> but it's taking a long time because it, he, we've got like the fancy, the, the doors slide, and you know there's a robotic hand that comes out and takes your clothes, and you know <laughs> lights that turn on when you're like you think the right thing, and I mean a Swedish Alexa, I don't know. Um, it's got all the things. I'm being a little hyperbolic, so don't, don't go online and be like, where's the Swedish Alexa? Um, um, anyways, sorry. Uh, and, and we get to a point, and we're like, we're doing great. And it's getting late, it's getting late, it's getting late, and it's like one in the morning, but we're, we're going to press through because this needs to happen. Like, we've gone too far, guys. There's too much blood, sweat, and tears. This is not going to defeat us. And then we get to this one spot where we're, we're trying to hang a door that, that it, it slides. And it's like, um, drill a hole in this spot. It has to be like three quarter um, unknown u- unit of measurement that I've never seen before. Apparently, you can only buy these drills in, you know, one small town in Alaska or something like that. <laughs> and they're made of gold. Um, so we look at our drill bits we survey the terrain, and we're like, well, we're, we're in trouble, guys. So we're, what do we do at one in the morning when you need a tool? You go to Walmart. <laughs> so we went to Walmart, and we asked, you know, do you know where these things are? And we're looking around in the, the hardware area, and the guy's like, I don't know. And then I see, I think I see it. And I'm like, that's it right there. And he's like, okay, good, thank you. I'm like, no, 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 you, you're supposed to help me. <laughs> So I, I get the box, which is, it's got like a bunch of them, and I pull out my knife and open it up, and I'm like, can I, do, can I do this? And he's like, I don't know, I just work here. And so I pull it out, and it's what we think we need, and we take it back, and it's not. It's the wrong thing. But we come to find out that Ikea, in their infinite wisdom and, I don't know, hate for their customers, called for us to drill a hole that had already been drilled. So we spent like three hours looking for a drill. Anyways... And, and so we had been into this position where it's just this one piece that will make this whole thing come together into a beautiful, wonderful, amazing organizational system that will basically fix everything, right? It's, it's like uh, we, we've, we've solved world hunger and this. Um, and, and 
we found it and it was beautiful and now the doors open and close and Swedish Alexa will take our clothes and fold them inside there and you know give you money. It's the best. And and I joke but but when we think about Christianity I think that many of our lives reflect a kind of half-built almost there but at the same time very kind of like Frankensteinian um Ikea cabinet. And, and we've got, we've, we're reading our Bible. You know, that's what you got to do. That's what I learned in university. You know, I, I'm memorizing scripture. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to my neighbors about Jesus. And, and we're doing all of these things, but it, there's, there's no heart. There's no soul there. And, and my, my challenge to you is that we need to pay attention that when, when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? He says, love. He doesn't say, read your Bible. I like to read my Bible. I like to learn languages. I like to, I've got too many Bibles. If you want a Bible, come to my house. You can have four. And they'll be different, four different Bibles. Um, I, you know, and, and maybe it's not reading your Bible. Maybe it's, you know, I like going to church and being on the worship team, and, or I, I do all the things. You know, I'm, I'm an Uber volunteer. You're like, you know, what team are you on? Yes. <laughs> and maybe that's you. <clears throat> And, and these are not bad things within and of themselves. Just like having the Ikea thing is almost awesome. But if it doesn't have the one thing, it's not what it was meant to be. And, and you and I, you were meant to love God. You were meant to love God with everything. This is not something that we fall into. It's not like of the many purposes for our life, you can love God. No, you were crafted and created before the foundations of the world. God was planning and he was looking at your life and, and the invitation was for you to live a life being fully who you were intended to be. A person who reflects the character, nature, image of God in relationship with that God. Glorifying him and reflecting him to all of creation. I love, I love Psalm 19. I'm, I'm so glad we talked about it today and we sang a song that talks about that because the heavens declare the glory of God. They don't struggle with their purpose. Right? The stars aren't like, oh, what am I going to be? You know, I really, I really like music. I think I'm going to pursue that. No, they're, they're stars. They, they reflect the glory of God. When you look at a star, you're like, that's amazing. And it's, it's a glorious giant ball of fire. And it's like, yes, I am amazing. And so is the God who made me. Frogs are weird and gross and slimy, but they glorify God because that's what they were meant to do is to jump around and be gross and slimy. God was like, that's kind of cool. It's weird. Let's do that. Slugs. Ugh. Maybe those are part of the curse. I don't know. <laughs> I don't like slugs. Loving Jesus, loving God is the most foundational thing we must do. If you, if you were to reflect on your life, is, is, is your relationship, if you, is your disposition towards God one of manager, employee? Okay, I've got my list of things, God. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and do these, and I'll talk to you later. You know, is, is your disposition towards your, your requirements, your duties, you know, oh, I've got to be nice to that person. I don't want to be nice to that person, but I have to be because that's what God says. Or is it an overflow of God has loved me so much 
Because if, if there's no overflow, my encouragement to you is not to work harder or try harder. It's to look at the God who loves you. If we aren't loving God, we aren't doing Christianity. If you're in this room today and you're doing a, you're doing a lot of things, you're impressing a lot of leaders, you know the right things to say to your pastor, but your heart is cold toward God, my encouragement to you is to go back to the basics. Don't try to do, but try to hear what God says about himself and about you. You I'm God, I created everything. I'm gracious, I'm merciful, I'm slow to anger, I'm abounding in steadfast love, and I love you. I sent my son to be a propitiation for my, I sent my son who is perfect, whom I also love, to take and receive and bear the righteous right anger that I have towards sinners who disobey me. So that, I could love you in a way that would still reflect my justice. That's how much God loves us. And he gave us bacon. And I, I, I'm joking, but, but like there's that piece, and then there's the piece of just, it's good to be alive. And, and when you put those together, if you, if you can put those together, I promise you, your devotional life, your willingness to love other people, your willingness to, to, to sing songs, like, what other organization do you go and you're like, all right, let's start out by singing some songs. You know, if you were to go to a, an employer, you might be like, mm, I'm going to find a different job. You're like, no thanks, Target. But, but, but because this is not just about doing stuff, this is about a disposition, we come together and we worship. We sing songs. We do what we would do in another, any sort of other event where we're celebrating something. Right? You go to, you go to a, a Redskins game and they're winning and it's miraculous and amazing and you, you sing. You, you, yes, this is amazing. You know, you go to a music concert and, and they're just tearing stuff up and, you know, punishing the drums, and you're like, yes, this is awesome. And when, when we come together, we don't just sing because that's, that's what you do in church. I mean, we used to chant, but we stopped doing that. I don't know why, but so now we sing. Who knows what we'll do later? No, we, there's something that God has intended for us to do. It, it wells up within us when, when we see and appreciate God who loves us, and our love overflows into loving him back in song. Sometimes good songs, sometimes not so good songs, but there's a lot of people who just sing quietly or loudly. It's not going to bother me. Um, we, loving God is the most foundational thing. Not, not doing things, not not doing things, not dressing a particular way or singing a particular way, not sitting in pews or, or chairs, not, not believing one particular, particular political view or, or another one. Um, it's loving God. And, and that's what, it, it, it orients us. And you know it orients you when, it, again, if, you, if you're here and you're like, this Christianity thing is just a lot of details and it just kind of feels like a fog. It probably feels like a fog because you don't have that central piece of loving God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. 
the good news is if, you, if you're in a place where you don't feel that, you don't resonate with what I'm talking about, Jesus did. Jesus lived a life of loving God, his Father. Jesus lived a life of being devoted, heart, mind, soul, strength, loving his Father. Jesus existed before the foundations of the world in perfect relationship with God, his Father, loving his Father. And because of that affection, because of that disposition, he obeyed his Father and he died on the cross. He, he, he died a sacrificial death so that we could enter into this love. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, it starts with knowing how God has loved you. He, you know, we, we don't initiate this thing. We don't start it. If you think that you're starting it, you, you've, you didn't see God coming. But he's been there planning and preparing. I, I just want to encourage you. God loves you. God has loved you for a very long time. And, and he invites you to take part in that, to make all of the other trappings of this faith, to make all of the other trappings of, of Christianity make sense because they're tethered and tied to this reality that I love God with everything I am. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you love us. Thank you that you've given us mercies, that you don't restrain your mercies. We thank you that your Steadfast love is the kind of love that's for a forever love. It doesn't go away. It's not dependent upon us. We thank you that you're slow to anger, that you don't get angry quickly. You don't get angry uh, over petty things and, and you are patient with us. And Lord God, we, I pray that you would ignite a love inside of us that would result in, in action, that w- it wouldn't be the cart before the horse, that it wouldn't be action without affection, but it would be affection and action. If you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you've never trusted him or appreciated his love for you, I, just, I would love to pray with you if you could raise your hand. There's nothing um, magical about raising your hand, but, but in a response to this message, you can say, Jesus, I want to know you more. All right, well, Father God, we thank you that you love us. Help us to love you well. In Jesus' name, amen.